Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films and filmmaking and film theory and all things film. Each week we'll take one film and talk a bit about that um, and then base our further discussions on a theme that's loosely linked to that film. And after that, as always, we end up with our recommendations of the week based on this theme. But as we hear ourselves, who are we and why should you care what we say? It, well, the short answer to the second part of that is you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but my name's Sam Knowles, and I'm a teacher and writer, and I teach about books and I write about books. Uh, my name is Rob Maythorne, and I work in the film industry as a colourist, uh, working both on set as the shooting and afterwards as part of the editing process. And I've been doing that for the last ten years now. Ten long years. It's still not as long as I've known you. It's, that's that's true. That's true. It's uh, Sam and I have known it since we were twelve, so coming on twenty years of our lives now. That's depressing. You think you just think we'd get on better? We'd like more things, <laughs> more friends. But here we are. But this week, guys, this week, guys, we're going to look at a film that is personally quite uh, relevant to me, um, and that is the film Clark's or Clerks, depending how you pronounce it. Right. Um, I've spent is... the week training myself to say clerks rather than clerks. Okay, clerks it is. We should go for that then. Uh, clerks is the debut film from Kevin Smith, who's made a name for himself, certainly making it this kind of, I suppose, low-concept uh, chatty films um, over the years. And it's, from a personal point of view, one of the films that made me want to make films. Uh, I watched this probably uh, late 90s on BBC2 on one of their uh, their late night film rings and I watched this and thought I could make that and here I am now here you are talking about other people making films talking about it rather than doing it so so talk to us about, about Clerks then so Clerks is essentially the story of, of, a, of a convenience store clerk called Dante and it is a day in his life it's possibly one of the worst days in his life, um, in that he's not supposed to be, not supposed to be working, it's called in, and all things can go wrong, and you meet the characters that inhabit his world. It's certainly a, I suppose, over-the-top version of that world, so it is it's a comedy film. But it's shot in black and white, it's shot for basically no money, He Kevin Smith called in his friends to be the actors, um, and it's probably the one of the most famous instances of, of the American indie scene from the 90s mm. and basically it's one of those films where nothing really happens um, we, we obviously I'm happy to talk about spoilers giving it down quite a while um, but the original ending of the film had Dante as he was locking up shot and killed in a robbery gone wrong oh. that was the original version of that film and that's how it was originally screened and then Miramax bought it and went brilliant lose the ending and I think that was one of the best decisions because it ends in such a weird kind of like and we're done a days over kind of way I think that attacking a, a a death at the end would have been quite a strange epilogue to the film it's hard to summarise the plot really because there isn't there isn't really a plot in, in many ways um, there are themes running through it about Dante and his girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend and his best friend Randall who, who managed to be their store next door but it's not a narrative structure in the way that you're used to. But the one thing that stands out for me, one thing that made me love it, is 
the way they talk mm. is the closest thing in a film I'd ever seen at a point to the way that me and my friends talked. It talked about Star Wars. There's, there's, a, there's a whole scene about they, they d- debate whether the second Star Wars blowing up would have killed a lot of the contractors building it. I mean, that was a good thing or a bad thing. And it felt more real in a way that I haven't I hadn't at that point seen in many films, um, especially ones that you get in the in the multiplexes. Mm. It's it, going back to the film we looked at a few weeks ago. It's very like, in that respect, the first scene of um, Reservoir Dogs. Yes, their 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 real life discussions. Beginning of that, and I think that's for me. I mean, obviously, for my filmmaking, film, my filmmaking journey, it's lo-fi sort of aesthetic kind of. Oh, I can make that. Um, but for me, it was as we said in Tarantino. It's the pop culture it exists in a in a time, and they uh, they the two main characters, Ron, Randall and Dante, seem like good friends. You know, there's a whole whole sequence halfway through the film where he closes the shop to go and play hockey on the roof, mm. and that really has no bearing on the rest of the film uh it hasn't it, it's not a, like a, it's not a Chekhov's gun at no point does that come up again there's no point is it important you just get the feeling that Kevin Smith liked hockey and wants to shoot a hockey scene mm. and that I mean I I, I I love this film and I I almost love it so much that I I'm happy to love almost anything Kevin Smith makes even the slightly more shoddy ones he's done in, in the later years yeah um, but for me, it was really kind of like a, a blast out of nowhere of what films could be versus what I'd seen at that point. This was, I say, over sort of fifteen years ago when I first saw it for the first time. I I think you could go further and say pretty much anything Kevin Smith has done has been downhill from this point because it's all been pretty shoddy. Um, this is a brilliant film, but there's a, been a lot of dross from Viewskew since. I I would, I'm trying to think how they, just to run through. I think I I like more rats. Okay. And I like, because I like chasing him. Chasing him is very good. I think that's a, that, that's a a pick up from more rats. Uh, Dogma, yeah, it's alright. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is funny if you've seen all the other ones to death, but. Outside of that, isn't Clerks to hit and miss? Try to think what else then. I did like Red State. I don't know that. I just know the main ones. Red State is uh, Kevin Smith made a a non comedy film about a basically about the Westbury Baptist Church. Oh right. A fictionalized version of that, um, and it is it's it's kind of like I mean you know between clerks and, and that Kevin Smith made things like the other guys and that sort of thing and you're like where's this been this is an amazing it's, it's a really good film it's small it isn't funny it stars it's got John Goodman in it um, and a couple of people you've recognised from other places but it's really kind of almost psychological horror oh. and if you, if you if you didn't know it was a Kevin Smith film you wouldn't think it was mm. um, and it, it recently he's gone and made he made Tusk Yes, his recent film, which I haven't must say I haven't seen, but sounds quite weird. Although, having said that, they're very. I mean, I I came across a plot synopsis of Chasing Amy this morning when I was I was looking at this, and 
I I I thought I dreamt it when I first saw it, but it it really does happen like that. There's Ben Affleck and 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 homosexual kissing and and a threesome and what the actual what is going on here? Weirdly, Chasing Amy is based on his relationship with uh, Joey Laurent Adams. Yes, who was? Uh, yes, who was Chasing Amy? Who was? Who was Amy? I think. Sorry, go on. Chase, no, I, I, I think the Kevin Smith. I mean, this was, we weren't going to talk about Kevin Smith. All, all, all podcasts, I promise. Um, but the the Kevin Smith is at his strongest when he's mixing the comedy and the heartfelt. Mm. Like, like Clerks is a funny film, and it has some straight out comedy bits in it. But it also has like a, a, the this theme about Dante kind of realizing his life and doing all that stuff running through it. And the same for Chasing Amy, I think, has got comedy, but also it's like whether in time the gender politics of that film hold up I think is, question, is another question mm. but I think that was well revealed whereas then like more rats which I do enjoy is much more straight comedy and the same for more for, for Dogma and Jane and Bob Strikes Back and they all kind of missed the mark a little bit because he didn't have the, the, the warm heart to them that the other two had mm. uh, but I could I could uh, whack the lyric about Kevin Smith I've uh, I've seen him live twice uh, do Q&As uh, one time in London one time in San Diego and he's very funny in person I, I was just thinking there about your you, well, you, you go off and have a moment thinking about Kevin Smith but I, I was thinking what you were saying about having, having a heart um, and one, one example in this film is the Randall character is who's who plays Randall? Uh, that's um... yes, Jeff Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the the thing where Jeff Anderson will spend about seventy eighty percent of the film being utterly filthy, as as in that scene where the there's the mother and son in the yes. video rental and he reels off these titles, but at the same time he can punctuate that filthiness with with something really heartfelt like when he says to Dante Dex if you break his heart again I'll kill you yeah I mean I, I, that's and that's I think that's one of the strengths of, of the Randall character is that kind of he knows who he is I think it is it's telling that Kevin Smith wrote that character for himself right um, and then just realised he couldn't act and direct at the same time so he, he chose Silent Bob instead and I, I think that's very good. I think Brian Halloran and Kevin Smith as that pair would not really have worked. I I agree. I think given that that, that um, Brian Halloran was actually an actor, whereas uh, Randall wasn't an actor, and he, he after after Clerks went back to being a roofer, and that's what he's mostly done for the last sort of fifteen years is be a roofer. Well, Jeff um, Anderson. Yep. Oh right. Uh, until being called up again for for clerks too, mm. I think that this kind of for me kicks out into the wider ideal of what I tentatively called slacker cinema. Mm. Now, some of our listeners may be a little bit too young to remember the mid nineties, but it was a glorious time, <laughs> and there was a trend for a while of which this is probably. Um, one of the largest ones of what I call slacker cinema films about slackers. Mm. 
it was the Gen X um, sort of generation on screens. You have films like Slacker, you have films like Bill and Ted. Uh, you have films like this, like Mallrats, that aren't about go-getters, they aren't about the cool kids, they aren't about uh, the mainstream, they are about the slackers and the weirdos and the freaks and the geeks um, of of society. And I think this is a trend that has gone away of late. I think these days you don't get many films about the, this, these kind of characters. We've swung back towards films about the cool kids. Mm. Um, and I think there's an interesting time. I think the in the over the, the millennium period when that that kind of change happened. Okay, I have three. I've been thinking about this after you you brought it up during the week. Um, we've got three responses to this. For this this fact that slacker cinema has, has gone away, and the first is that youth culture has evolved, and there are more. There's a more act. Stress, stress on the idea of of being active has become an important thing. And don't don't just mean people going out and playing football. I mean whatever the computer games have become more active. Things like Call of Duty are are huge, or have been huge certainly the past past twenty years. Um, and there's no um, some somebody put put a Buzzfeed link or a blog link or something on Facebook about the idea of being bored that kids don't get bored anymore because there's always something to do yes. and I was think, thinking about this as being the first reason and I was thinking back to um, Settle Down Kids Grandpa's going to talk about the, the mid-90s but um, what we used to do which is just go to shopping centres and do nothing yes. all day and there's one um I, I remember one time in the mid late nineties where I we we went and like home from school at a ridiculous time, went via the shopping centre and sat in a coffee shop in Oracle and I drank six cups of coffee and then decided to walk home. Um and you just don't get stupid stuff like that anymore. Um so that that was the first thing. The second thing is the idea of there being this drive after the millennium towards making something of oneself. Mm. Um, there's a lot of self-improvement being being hammered home, and whether that's someone like Tim Ferriss more generally, or um, self-improvement in, in particular areas, um, that's become important. And then the final one was to do with the idea of cinema having changed. And I wondered whether... Um, you don't get people like Kevin Smith anymore who had no money so had to film in black and white, had no money so had to film in the convenience store they used to work in. You, you don't get budget filmmaking anymore. I, this is something I don't know. This is completely outside my comfort zone. I don't know anything about this. But I wondered whether young filmmakers don't get that anymore. I think that... I think you're right on all those points. I think there's a couple of things I'd add to them. Uh, we're talking about uh, the second point you had about self-improvement. I think a lot of that might come down to jobs. Now, Sam and I are... Oh, I'm, I'm 32 and Sam's 31. 31? Correct, yeah. Um, and when we left school, there wasn't a jobs crisis. We both 
you know, we went to university and there was never an assumption, there's never the thought of, well, you know, it's a crowded job market, we won't get a job out there, you know, that wasn't part of the national discourse mm. in the way it is now, that people leave university and there just aren't any jobs. So I wonder whether that's birthed this idea of that slacking isn't an option. Minimum wage jobs, you can't just get a minimum wage job in a shop somewhere and slack away because there are 10 other people who want that job and work harder for it than you are. I was thinking about that when um, was it Randall says to Dante in, in Clerk something like, well, if you're not happy, just quit and get another job. They, I mean, mm. they're, they're 10 a penny and you, you must be qualified for at least one of them or something like that. And I, I thought about that and thought, that's not true anymore. No. I think, just to keep back to our pop culture one uh, from previous weeks about Tantino, like, the references are good here, that they aren't relevant references, but that one bit, I, was like, I, I thought the same thing, I thought, you just can't, you can't just go and get another job. No. These days, no matter how qualified you are, you just can't go and get another job. And your third point, which I have to remind me what it was now. Oh, I, uh, I can't uh, remember anyway. It was, it was about um, cinema's technicality changing. Yeah, I think that there's, this I think is one of the points I had about why this happened when it did. I think that these films existed in a in a weird time in the world in which filmmaking technology had become cheap enough that it was democratised, that people could go and max up credit cards and make a film. But we hadn't yet got democratised points of distribution, mm. uh, by which I mean things like YouTube and online video. Whereas now, if you want to go and make a short film, make a film, you grab your mobile phone, you put it on YouTube, and you're done. Mm. Kevin Smith didn't have the option of putting it on YouTube. He had to go and make a film that he could sell. And I think that's where the, the, these kind of these lo-fi slacker films of the late nineties helped them exist, is because that that the sort of handover of two technologies. You go and make a film cheaply, but you still had you didn't have the option to not have it in cinemas. Mm. That, that, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a YouTube um, in the nineties to kind of put it. If you made a film. Either it went to festivals and cinemas, or it didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a a burgeoning sort of DVD home market and VHS market, but unless you were in in the straight up schlock horror, there wasn't a market for that. Um, I do. Why I think um, of the Kevin Smith ones, I really rate this film, and I'm not so on board with the others. Is it's the the fact that there are video rentals in this and it talks so much about the process of making a film is something <clears> I really like about this this film in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's strange. I was watching it, watched it this week, and it is like they, 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 he goes and rents videos. You know, RS Video Store where Randall works just wouldn't exist today. Mm. But somehow it, that doesn't feel dated. No, because. It, 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 you know, we still watch films, and if, if anything, if we think of like Netflix these days. There is, there's more film renting has kind of come back. It died off, um, and it's kind of come back in a different format. Yeah, in you know, a completely different way. Uh, but the same principles of picking a good film um, have come back in certain ways, and I think that I, I was thinking that it came to me last night, and I think that one of the turning points. For, for, as I look at the history of cinema, is the film Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that's not what any of you have me to say. You could have given me a hundred years and I would not have come up with that title as an end to that sentence. <laughs> I know, I know. But 
if you look at sort of especially in sort of the high school movie uh, genre up until that point it was very much about the nerds about the slackers about the the weirdos you know like, the, like 10 things hey about you is about two little weird kids trying to get the girls um these films are about the, the weirder kids then along comes clueless and it's about the most popular girl in school mm. it's about my popular girl in school and her popular friends her rich pretty preppy friends and it's a brilliant film i'm not bashing it in any way i think clueless is an amazing film but I think that was genuinely in when that came out. That was a turning point in, especially in high school films, towards the uh, let's be about the popular kids. Let's be about the, the the confident, optimistic kids rather than the darker, weird ones. Yes. See, I pulled it back from being a really random reference. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get you. I get you. Um, but I do think there's something to be said there about the landscape of cinema, how it sort of ebbs and flows between this positive, this optimism and and the downbeat attitude as well. But even within Clerks, you've got um, Dante and Randall, whose prospects are similar, and they're both the weird kids from school, from high school. Mm. But you've got Randall who thinks, hey, I'm I'm quite happy where I am. And Dante who says, I wasn't even supposed to be here all the time. That's his response to everything in life. Yes. yes. So even within this, this division of popular versus outcast, you've got these people with different attitudes to their lot in life. I think, I think another great example of that is if you check out uh, the TV show Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one. It, it's um, stars uh, James Franco, Seth um, Rogen before they're famous, um, and Linda Cardellini, and that's about what it means to be a freak versus a geek versus a nerd, and all the sort of the strata of, of of social hierarchies. Once you hit that bottom rung, um, I think it's, it's almost it's a it's kind of a misquote from Terry Pratchett. Uh, but when you get near the bottom of the ladder, the rungs get really close together. Uh, and he's talking about sort of social classes, but the same thing applies here in sort of almost culture classes. That, it, that, that there are levels within those levels. Mm. Uh, I think uh, it just it just occurred to me there. The other the other thought that might be influenced that we don't get these films these days is that the weird kids from our generation made Facebook. Quite, yeah. You know, the the we of our generation, the people who are weird and into computers and techie stuff, are the ones who've gone on to you know invent the modern world. Mm. You know, the jocks from 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 sort of our cultural era have gone nowhere. It, it's it's the Zuckerbergs, it's the the Bill Gates, the weird kids into computers who were nerds, who now rule the world. So things like the film uh, a Social Network. Which essentially is about a bunch of computer nerds, is all about being cool and owning the world. It's, it's a very different time to be, I suppose, a nerd. Yes. Yeah. You know, ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm her first help hand up and say that I am a nerd. But at the same time, the biggest film this year has been about a comic book series. Yeah. You know, this is geek chic in many ways. Much I hate that phrase is everywhere now and we aren't the pariahs we once were hmm. 
I do think, as you're saying about the ebbs and flows of cinema, I, I can see us having a resurgence of this kind of film. I don't think of it about slackers, but I think we've got a generation of people now who who haven't got jobs, who haven't got uh, career prospects, who aren't going to own a home, and are kind of rejecting a lot of the traditional ways of life. Mm. And I think if you give that a couple of years, that's going to filter through in, into film. I mean, we don't see any films about people who are opting out of almost the traditional nuclear family option um, and all that sort of thing. I think there's going to be a, a resurgence of these uh, oddball cinema, a slacker cinema, I suppose. Hmm. I wonder, though, that in, in the mid-90s, slackers who were opting out of the rat race or whatever were were prepared to make films about their, their experience. I wonder, wonder whether people who opt out have lost that optimism now, whether it's mm-hmm. it's going to be a subject for cinema in the way that it was in, in the mid-90s. I think that... I think it will in time. I think like we look at Clerks, and it's a funny film, but the, it's very much the son of a film called Slacker, aptly. And Slacker isn't a funny film. Slacker isn't a comedy. It's very much a slice-of-life kind of film. I think once you start getting the, the groundswell of films about this, this 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 sort of niche of people, it will spill into comedy versions of that film, horror versions of that film. So I think in time we will see another another clerks about the current generation, but it may be further down the line than we want it to be. Yeah, yeah. it certainly won't be a Kevin Smith film. Looking at, at how different Clerks Two is from Clerks. No, he has gone on record as saying he's making Clerks 3 now and Mallrats 2. Yes. Um, and I... I... Clerks, 2, Clerks 2 was saved by the charisma of some of the actors. Mm. For me, um, Dante and Randall and Rosario Dawson are in there. Rosario Dawson, I, I, I love in almost everything she ever does. Uh, and she lifted that film. But yeah, it, it felt like a retread. Of of the his, of clerks and not in a fun way. It kind of it felt like the corporate reimagining of clerks. Mm. Um, because clerks have always, you know, like I, literally, I watched this film and I'd forgotten that the, the very first viewer skew like ident at the start of the film is a a fat clown in lingerie in front of a small child. Yes. Yeah. And as Kevin Smith has aged and got more Hollywood. I think he's lost some of his edge. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, I mean, at this point, I think spoilers are part of the film, but the film ends with his... his He's currently cheating on his miss, his current girlfriend with his ex-girlfriend, who then sleeps with a dead guy in the bathroom. And that felt, I mean, obviously shocking, but funny and dark, whereas in Clerks 2, they have a, a scene with a donkey sex show. And it did... It had a very different vibe. It felt more like the hangover style gross out comedy mm. rather than like a really dark black comedy. Yes. Um I do hope you can find that again. But I do I do worry that at a certain point he's just pissing all over the memory of, of, of clerks. Yes. I think there's no not that I've seen I've managed to avoid the hangover films, but it feels like that is something that you could quite easily take clerks and think, "Oh, this is all about gross-out comedy. Let's let's just have some more of that." 
Yes. I, I, yeah, I think Clerks has been imitated thousands of times. Uh, sometimes well, sometimes badly. And I think, as we said in the past, when people... I think we did, we did our very first uh, week on uh, sequels. And this kind of comes in the same area. The reboots, sort of, inspirations of films. If they miss the point of the film, if they just miss the heart of the film in the first place, it's not going to land as well. Hmm. Yeah. And that that goes back to what you were saying about the film having hearts. Mm. And that's not something that can be said for Dogma or for something like Chain Silent Bob Strikes Back, which is, as you said, only funny if you find the rest of it really funny and you've been on yes. board with the, with the other characters. I mean, given that you've got Ben Affleck playing essentially three characters in the film, including one which is himself, mm. uh, you know, like... If you if you don't get all the references in in Jason Bob, you're just not going to get them. No, it's it's a confusing film to to the non fan certainly, and you know like there's a film he made called Zack and Miri Make a Porno, um, which it felt like someone trying to make a Kim Smith film. You know, like it had a bit of gross out in there and a bit of of pop culture, but also a bit of you know heart. But it just it felt like kind of identical. Like someone's putting a well, I need a bit of that for Kim Smith. I need a bit of that. And I, th- I, I, I mean, as much as I love him, I would agree with you that I think that Clerks is the is the pinnacle of, of his work. Mm. Um, but I think that's that's a, a good a good wading into the world of slacker cinema and our theories on it and why it is this. I hope he comes back myself, um, but we shall see. Mm. But as always, Sam, recommendations. Okay, well, um, you you should go first then. This is this is more your fair enough. I'm going to recommend uh, two films uh, this week. Uh, one of which is, I believe, one's pre-Clerks and one's post-Clerks. The pre-Clerks one is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This is a, uh, a late 80s high school comedy. Um, and it's very much in the kind of, it's about the weird kids who don't get laid. You know, it's about the strange ones who work in strange jobs, who have strange friends. Um, and it's it's brilliant. It's Judge Reinhold. Um, it's got a very very early appearance of Nick Cage in it. Um, it's well worth checking out. So when when was this made? Um, I, I I'm going to say eighty nine, but I don't honestly know offhand. Um, if you give me two seconds, I can Google as I go here. Um, but it, it it's a uh, little bit. But it's kind of it's very much in the same kind of theme as Clerks. Um, Ridgemont High. Let's have a look. I'm just googling it now. You can tell we're prepared for this. Uh, so, oh, 82. Much earlier than I thought it would be. Oh, right. So, 82. Um, starring Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee, Phoebe Katz. Um, uh, directed by Amy Heckling, incidentally, who made uh, make, made uh, Clueless. Which is, as, as you've established, the greatest film ever made. Yes, or at least an important one. Um, it's got Sean Penn in it. Um, it's it's well worth checking out, and it's it's if you've ever seen um, and it's spoofed a lot, a scene where a woman gets out of a pool dripping wet in a red bikini. Okay, right. It's it, it's in um, the um, Fountains of Wayne, Stacey's mom video. It's been spoofed a lot. This scene uh, in which a young boy watches a girl get out of a pool. Okay, um, it's all from here. It's well worth kind of checking out. Secondly. Um, I'm going to recommend Empire Records. 
Empire Records is the other film that I watched that same night made me want to watch making make, make, make films mm-hmm. and it's the day in the life of a record store um, it's a bit more I suppose by the numbers at times in that you've got you have uh, the art kid you've got the goth kid you've got the metal kid you've got the rap kid you know it's a bit more kind of tokenism in the film but it has that heart and it's very much in that kind of slacker cinema sort of a genre okay well um one one recommendation from me this week would be um i suppose this is a bit of a curveball because we haven't really talked about more modern cinema um but nick and nora's infinite playlist which is a very very early michael Cera film um and that has the same i suppose there is there is more of a narrative than in something like more rats or clerks but the same idea of nothing much happening um although yes there there is a narrative of of boy meets girl at the same time um but that would be well worth seeing it's a lovely little film i i would echo that i think that's a, that's a great film that's often forgotten hmm Right then, well, that probably wraps us up for this week. Um, it only remains to say, um, please do get in touch with us at Prestige Podcast on Twitter. Uh, or you can find me at, at Kaiju Industries. Or me at, at, do you have to say at twice? I don't know, just at, fine, yeah. At life underscore academic. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr. Rawr.